the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruain, tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Maximum Growth Live. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Ruane, the CEO of FirmFlex Social Media Marketing for Attorneys, as well as Ruane Attorneys Managing Partner. We are a criminal defense and civil rights law firm in Connecticut. And with me, as always, somewhere hidden away from the world, no longer in Del Boca Vista, but on his way back up north to the cold and chillier, more chillier climbs, is my man, Seth Price. Seth, how's your week going this week? It's going well. It's going well. The, the idea of being on the lamb uh, in uh, non ideal uh, circumstances for, for our show, but uh, excited to uh, be doing this and uh, excited to be uh, headed home. Just, just think about it. Imagine being Whitey Bulger and living like that for 20 plus years, you know, in, in nondescript hotel rooms with, uh, you know, looking out the window and behind the curtains to see if there's anybody checking you out. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is definitely not the life for Seth. I can tell you that much. He's well, not well, used well, to- Also with, with my wife and three kids, you know, it, it adds extra elements to the, uh, to this whole piece. And, and, and ironically enough, uh, a hotel with non-ideal Wi-Fi to, to boot. So when you, you know when your hotspot's outperforming the hotel Wi-Fi, you're in trouble. Definitely, definitely. But Seth, we have a great show today. We are actually going to be joined by uh, our first repeat guest, I believe, uh, and it's Allison Williams. And I couldn't think of somebody better to have on the show again uh, than Allison, given all that she's done for lawyers and law entrepreneurs. Um, Tell us a little bit about Allison for those who aren't uh, uh, aren't familiar with her. You know, I got to meet her at a elephant event in D.C. I was really impressed. This is somebody who you know walks the talk. She and and she built her own firm, a very successful uh, New Jersey family law firm, and has created a program, uh, a a coaching program, mentoring program to help people with you know with their firm development. Uh, and what I was excited about to hear is she's doing some uh, some interesting stuff with intake, which is an area that is 
sorely lacking. You know, we've had Gary Southworth on, and he's awesome, but there are very few people talking to the world, particularly outside of the PI world, um, on on intake and best practices. So I uh, can't wait to have her on here and uh, hear what she has to say. Yeah, you know, the thing that's interesting about intake is that, you know, for the PI world, um, it, I mean, you're, they're not parting with money right then and there. Um, right. And so it's very easy to get somebody to sign a piece of paper. I mean, I'm sure the PI people will come back and well, say no, it's right. not as and easy. They're keeping quality up and making right. sure that you're identifying and not making stupid mistakes. There are plenty of mistakes that can happen. But in, right. in one sense, there's a huge other obstacle when you have to convince people to part with their cash versus just uh, signing on the dotted line for a case. You know, it's really interesting. And before we get to Allison, I just wanted to cover a couple quick things with you. Number one, uh, I noticed that the PI lawyers have really found those local service ads. I'm still seeing, you know, two or three criminal lawyers, uh, two or three family lawyers. But I, by last count here in Connecticut, a small state, there were 51 law, law firms registered with local service ads in the PI area which is just mind-blowing, uh, the, the, the level of competition there, which is why and, intake is so important. Well, right. And I think that you're also seeing what's happened, which is in the PI space where the clicks are so expensive, those local service ads become a value. Whereas, you know, we're seeing, particularly for people with higher, the, the, the local service ads can be amazing and there are people who have crushed it, but certain people with higher price points have had real issues where it's floods phone calls, that's not the issue. But the question is, does it come with, with monetization? And we're, seeing, we're having some questions, again, still it's still its early phases, still people are tweaking, but for people that do paid consultations, you know, you're getting a phone call off Google where you're expecting a consultation. And then all of a sudden somebody's asking for a paid consultation, whether it be family uh, or immigration or other areas. And that has not been necessarily a great user experience in all areas. So I know that the, the ROI in PI is, you know, is, is really solid and that people are making it go in other areas. But I've also heard some people are like, wow, I got the phone to ring like crazy, but it didn't deliver the results I wanted in the end. Yeah, it's really, really sort of interesting. And the other thing I wanted to follow up with, uh, with you about is, you know, I've been on this journey where I've been adding VAs. That's one of the reasons why we've been talking to so many people about the VA aspect over the last couple of weeks. And we'll talk about it with Allison in a, in a, in a short bit. Um, one of the things that we decided to do was to in-house this happiness person, uh, sort of review Wrangler. Uh, and uh, Tuesday was her first day in the job. Uh, she had come back from sitting for the bar exam. Uh, it was a law student that we had decided to keep around for a little while. Uh, and she delivered three new five-star reviews uh, in her second day of, uh, uh, of working as that being her focus. So, I, you know, obviously one day doesn't make an entire year, but I definitely think that there's value in having this position, just creating touch points with the clients and, and, and focusing on reviews as something that's going to be a thing to move the needle for us. No, I think that, look, especially if you're starting from flat-footed positioning, the question is, like, think of a sales person. We had Rob Line on the other day. The difference between somebody who's closing warm leads that come in versus outbound cold calls. If, if somebody can, if you can work with the attorneys in the office, start with the people that are most recent, basically the data that you're giving that person is going to make or break them. If you're giving them great data and great touch points, and hopefully good, great work for people, it's going to make their job that much easier. And I feel you're going to look back and say, hey, three is a low number. 
and that you're going to start to get real, real, real volume over time. Yeah, I mean, and that's great. I mean, we're already, you know, combined, we're already about 500 reviews. You know, I'd love to see a thousand total by the end of the year. And now I'm thinking that that's doable. But what we're going to do right now, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by the law firm mentor, Allison Williams. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Maximum Growth Live. The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet. And there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the FirmFlex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like, and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about, all for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Allison, the law firm mentor, great to have you here. Great to be back, guys. I love talking to you guys. We always have such a great conversation. Well, we're excited. We have a couple of things we want to talk to you about today. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about, uh, uh, you know, offshoring uh, different work, uh, VAs, et cetera, but we wanted to sort of combine that when we talk about intake. Uh, you got something coming up in intake that we want to uh, hear about, but something that Jay and I were talking about on Tuesday was basically at what point will we be able to use people not in the U.S. to help do tasks that were traditionally thought of as only U.S.? And wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so, you know, offshoring of legal talent is always an interesting topic because there are so many solutions in the marketplace right now, and a lot of those solutions can give you your basic nuts and bolts administrative secretarial clerk type work. But I think where a lot of lawyers are struggling is finding that higher level person, that person who can independently analyze, prepare legal documents, prepare financial affidavits, things like that, that don't exactly require legal knowledge, but they do require a certain level of understanding of the legal process in order to create something usable for the attorney. And unfortunately, I am not aware of anything that is kind of a one-stop shop for that. So what I see happening is a lot of lawyers are taking the lower cost investment, you know, you can spend a probably anywhere from 15 to 20% of what you would spend for a US uh, employee and you can put that into a virtual assistant and then ultimately you're gonna have to train that person up. But there are some lawyers that are having effectiveness of really dialing in their systems so that when they add that person, 
that person can come in, learn the systems and structure of legal process fast enough that it's economically viable to have them be in training mode for a long enough time that you can actually use them as a paralegal at some point. You know, Allison, one of the things that Jay and I have talked about, Jay mentioned in a prior episode, is that it's great that we can find labor around the country, around the world for less, but there are a number of people that are just saying, hey, my budget is tight. I'm going to swap out somebody that I can get in the neighborhood for somebody in the Philippines. That's not always a great idea. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, the issue of, of swapping out implies that you're getting somebody from the Philippines that can replace someone here in the U.S. And the difficulty with that is you've got a cultural disconnect, you've got a language disconnect, you have an understanding of legal process disconnect. So even as you are training the person up, you have the added layer of being virtual. So a lot of people haven't learned how to systematize being in a state of persistent communication without being in chronic communication with a virtual person. So you have to like work that in there. But then you also have to work in the fact that you're taking somebody who doesn't understand what it is that we are doing and you are expecting them to come in and hit the ground running. And that often creates malpractice risk, grievance risk, deadline, you know, deadlines being missed. So there's just a lot of problems with assuming you can start at day one. You are really taking someone as if they are, what I would say is really just a, a good college kid. Kids not even out of college yet. You're taking them, you're teaching them the legal process. You're teaching them the structure of the work in your office. And then you're teaching them the container of activity that they're gonna do. And if you build out a training process, that can be very effective, especially at the cost that you're paying for someone in the Philippines. But you're not going to replace a, a $50 an hour employee with an $8 an hour VA from the Philippines and think that you're gonna get comparable service. You're just, you're not. So, so how, do you, how do you sort of um, mentor your coaching clients, the law, the, the law firm mentor? How do, you, how do you sort of help people navigate what is appropriate for using people from overseas and what is not? I mean, Jay's thing of all systems, is it all systems that allows you to sort of to determine if you can systematize it, you can go, you can go offshore, or what, what's the, you know, what's your litmus test? Yeah, so what I always suggest is systems are kind of like my, my favorite thing in the world. They, they, they crush chaos in so many different ways. But with, with regard to a VA from another country, you're not just creating a system, you're also creating a culture for that person. And you're trying to embed them into your culture as you do so. So a lot of this is about getting your systems down on paper, right? So one of the little shortcuts I always tell people about is art, ask, record, and transcribe. So every time that you do something, ask a staff person, how did you do this from soup to nuts? And just have them free burst that for you. Record them speaking that and then transcribe it so that you have a ready-made something that you can give to a person that's step one, step two, step three. Then when you add on the extra layer of dealing with someone from another country, you have to also add in the component of not just relaying the information, but making sure they understand it, making sure that they have a cultural sensitivity to what they're doing, having them do the task alongside someone who's trained in your office. Then once you see that they have learned that task, add that to other tasks. So you have kind of an extra layer of training that you don't have with someone who understands the law here in the US. You have that extra layer of, do you understand what we're talking about? And do you understand what we're talking about in the context of what we're trying to accomplish? And that's a process. It takes time to learn that, whether you're teaching someone with a law degree or you're teaching someone who just graduated from high school. Okay. 
Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I have seen is that a lot of lawyers view this idea of outsourcing uh, their work as sort of, it's a magic wand and I can just pay an agency to place somebody for me and everything will get fixed and I don't have to worry about it. But I want to talk to you a little bit about systems because you love them, I love them, uh, and, and really talk about how we can develop these systems for people who are not necessarily built into, you know, growing up in the American way of life. I mean, you know, one of the things that we had a challenge of recently uh, for one of our VAs was a client had called in saying, hey, I'm around the corner from the office, which door do I go in? And this gentleman who's a phenomenal intake guy based in Honduras froze because he's never been to our building has no idea what it looks at so immediately we we passed it off somebody else jumped on the phone dealt with that problem but then we immediately did a google tour a street view tour and added that to our training program so people have a better understanding and a weight and a resource to go to since they're not walking through that door every day um yeah. hey, jay that's it's funny because we talked about this offline and i, I described how with, with Delta, when they first took their call center overseas, it was like, oh my God, I'm getting something in the Philippines. There's no way. And what I noticed, anyone who's in the call center got so good that they actually were, they could tell you, hey, what's inside of security, what's outside of security. If you were like, it was, it got to the point where it really replaced, you know, you didn't feel you were being punished by speaking to somebody overseas. You were getting as much or more value because they were following the systems that had been created to allow somebody to, to do that. Allison, your thoughts? Well, yeah. I, let, me, I, let me just finish up with, with, with the, the, the question I have for you is, as someone who, who helps to, to mentor lawyers in this situation, do you think it is a smart idea or a wise idea, I guess, a business forward idea to say, you know what, maybe outsourcing isn't the right thing for me to do at this point, and maybe I need to invest in an American-based and even a locally based assistant, because I don't have if I'm if I'm in if I'm in rapid growth mode and I'm working a ton of files and my marketing's clicked in that type of thing, uh, maybe I don't have the time to build those systems and do that training uh, that's necessary. So there has to be sort of a, a balancing test. And where do you think that test comes in as as you mentor other lawyers in in in, in growing their firm? Yeah, Jay, so I, I just want to harken back to what you just said, which was, I think, brilliant, which is, okay, we hit a snag when the person didn't know how to tell our client where to go, and we came up with a system for that. And that's what I tell lawyers, and I, I teach this and Systematize Your Law Business. I'm going to teach it in a masterclass I have starting next week. It's really about the idea that we're not ever going to be able to create perfection and then import people into our perfection. And lawyers want to do that. We want to build out the infrastructure and have the leather bound, embossed, engraved, beautiful handbook that we can hand over with all of the systems and say, here, now I don't have to think about you. I don't have to communicate with you. I can go do my thing. You'll be perfect and everything will work out. And that is not business. Business is chronically evolving and you have to adapt the mindset that says, I have to create a system that allows for the system not to work so that I can constantly iterate and evolve the system into something that grows my business and gives the highest quality of service for my clients. That is always what you are creating when you're creating a system. It's never a one and done. So to answer Seth's point, you know, what do you do with that, this idea of like, we've got to create something for our processes. 
Jay, your, your thought on that is exactly what I say, which is you need to start with somebody who knows what they're doing. So the first hire that I recommend for anyone in any area, do not hire a starter upper, do not hire a fixer upper, don't fix a flat your employee. You have to hire somebody who you can say, here's the crap of the role, go figure it out, go create the systems. You do your secretarial thing, you do your paralegal thing, you do your associate thing to a certain degree, right? You don't wanna like, there's, a, there's an ethics requirement that we have for supervising attorneys, but you don't wanna hire people that don't know anything or that have limited scope. And then you have to spend your time learning their job to teach them their job so you can get back to your job. Like that's part of the reason why lawyers don't grow. Like it's so frustrating and it takes so much time and money to dump into a person who doesn't know what they're doing that we say, you know, it, it is easier for me to do it myself. And in that scenario, you're right. But if you hire someone further up the food chain, you get more bang for your buck initially, because initially the person brings systems, knowledge, structure, experience. Then that person can take the $8 an hour VA from the Philippines and, and marry their skill and knowledge with that person's drive, dedication, hard work, you know, capabilities, et cetera. And I will say this, I have done this routinely in my own business. So I very much practice what I preach. I have a VA from the Philippines and she works and she's an assistant to my VA that's here based in Oklahoma. And the beautiful thing about that is the person who's from the Philippines has the work ethic and the right attitude and the desire to learn and the ability to integrate information. And she'll hop on a phone call and, and research solutions as much as she can. And then when she hits a, a snag, she comes over here. Well, if I'm spending $8 an hour for this person, she can spend three hours trying to figure something out. And that's perfectly fine because that's still less expensive than if I were to pay somebody $40 an hour to go from jump here in the US. But I would never hand over my business or integral functions to someone who doesn't have the wherewithal or knowledge and expect that they're gonna be able to hit the ground running. So number one skill is just start, start with high skill in the areas that you have for all of your major functions. Make sure that those high skilled people are not just good at what they do, but able to communicate and train other people. So sometimes you have to train your trainer, right? You have to train people on your team, how you want them to integrate. And then one thing that lawyers are not using enough of really is, is really creating a system around your system. So that means, you know, there are lots of, of, of teachable type courses or platforms like Kajabi and Thinkific and Teachable, where you can actually create little courses. And if you create your own university, then you have not just the ability to train the person, but you have resources for them to go to to try to figure things out on their own. Because part of what you're training them on is not just the task of today, but it's the thinking and the way of being that we do things in the US. And they'll learn that a lot more if they start to absorb your content over the course of time as you have more things to delegate. Yeah, one of the things that I've been really lucky with is a couple of the VAs that I've been able to get have done college here in the United States and then returned back home. Uh, and that's really been great for me because they've, they've seen how we work in the United States. Uh, they have a little more fluency with the language. Uh, but, I, but one of the things that's important, I think, uh, to understand in sort of the outsourcing and, the, and maybe the insourcing thing is that you can break down your roles in your office and then plug people in in the particular area. And I wanna talk a little bit about the use of uh, outsourced help in your intakes. 
because I think intake is so important for us to get right, right? Because, because if you don't get your intake right, uh, you've wasted money on your marketing and you're, you're going to be in a bind when it comes to actually delivering services and financing the rest of your operation. So that pivot point of intake, do you have any experience that you can share with our people about the best ways to uh, set up your intake and then also to have that outsource part um, in intake so that we can really get the best utilization of resources out there for people? Yeah, so intake is its own special topic. We could, we could probably get together and spend a whole day doing nothing other than optimizing intake. And in fact, I do that on day one of legal sales for attorneys and non-attorneys, which is one of the retreats that we offer here at Law Firm Mentor. The one thing that I would give to people about intake right now is that you have to not just have the right person in intake, but you have to have the right system that tracks not only how people get to you, but that also tracks what is effective in your communication with people on the phones. And a lot of people just kind of want like the magic stop, you know, the one-stop shop, but it's very much about A-B testing and iterating and seeing what works for you. So a lot of lawyers, you know, they, they get on the phone and they just kind of tell a staff person here, you know, just answer the phones. If somebody wants an appointment, get their name, their email, their, their telephone number, the gist of the case, and then schedule them. The problem with that is that is very transactional and that presupposes that a person is going to buy what you are selling in the intake process. And yes, the intake process is a sales process. You are selling the consultation. Whether you're selling it for free or you're selling it for some dollar amount, you are still selling the person on the idea that you are the entity that they should work with, that they should schedule time out of their life to meet with. So you have to approach that conversation as a sales process. You have to structure it in the way of asking more questions than telling information. You have to seed in the qualifications and value of your business as you are communicating about scheduling the consultation. You have to find that urgency point for the person who's on the phone. Like, what is it about this problem that caused you to stop your life, get on the internet, find my business, call my office and schedule an appointment? What is it that you're looking to achieve by coming in? And how ultimately is your life gonna be better by that? And then once you find that urgency point, you're going to offer the solution that meets them at that urgency point. All of that sounds very complex. It is not complex if you have a process for doing it. But most people don't have a process for doing it. They just tell their person here, get the data on the person, tell them about our system, charge them a fee and get them booked. And it's a low enough fee for a lot of people that that works, but it is still a sales process. So you have to approach it that way. And then you have to train your people on intake. And I actually, I walk through when I, you know, ironically, we're gonna be doing this on a webinar next week. <laughs> so I got, a lot, I got a lot of things going on next week. But one of the things that we're gonna actually be talking about is how to train your intake person on not just what to say, but pacing and communication in the process. So how do you listen actively for changes in tone, changes in pitch, changes in, verbal stance? Is the person all of a sudden becoming more quiet or more energized around a topic? What are you listening for? And once you learn how to listen actively, how do you work into your discussion with the person on the phone, the different things that you need to about your firm so that they're sold on you before you say anything about scheduling an appointment? All of that is a process. And then once you have that process created and documented, you then have to train your person on that process, which means in states where you're allowed to recording the communication so you can hear how they relate to people, 
being able to walk them through that process, i.e. having heard your recording, where did you go right? Where did you go wrong? Where do we need to improve? What's working well? What should we change universally in our system? What do we need to A-B test here? And then once you have that, checking in with the person periodically because people learning a new skill will often deviate to what's most comfortable for them. So if you don't ensure that your person is really on your system, your, your results may seem to wane. And the first thing that we think is, well, we're not getting enough leads or the leads aren't good. So let me go harass my marketing people because they're not delivering good enough leads. Or let me you know, change out my intake person because they're not doing it effectively on the phone without really giving them an opportunity to improve their process because you're not checking in with them on how they're ex executing it. You know, it's interesting, and I'll, I'm going to confess something to the audience now. Um, I used to not really pay attention to the people that were answering my phone. I mean, we're, we're going back 18 years ago now. And I remember, uh, you know, as a DUI defense lawyer, we had gotten a call, and I was in the other room, and uh, the call came in. And my intake person who was just out of high school, not well trained, I was one of those lawyers who said, just answer the phone, book the appointment, we'll be good. And, you know, I heard them say, uh-huh, okay, and what's your address? And so I'm thinking, that's not big deal. And then the, 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 the caller doesn't book the appointment, uh, says they're going to call back. And I said, you know, tell me a little bit about the case. And like, well, they told me they were in an accident and he killed somebody. And then I asked them for their address. And I was like, whoa, whoa, you can't take that information in and gloss over it. You have to say, oh my God, are you okay? Do you need mental health treatment? That type of thing. Because it was a failure on our part to train the intake person the right way. They were so focused on getting the six pieces of data that they need. They weren't building rapport with the caller at all. And, you know, we, we wind up not representing that person, uh, probably rightfully so, because we weren't in a position at that point uh, to, to give them the type of service that they needed. But that's, you know, those are the types of things that you need to have active listeners talk on, on your phone and, and picking up those clues from the callers so that you can build that rapport, establish those bona fides, establish that relationship so that you can do it. Seth, are you back with us to, uh, to uh, be able to pipe in here? Sure, just uh, Murphy's Law that as we start going, there's massive background noise. But what I, what I was saying, when my current thing, you know, I've been very passionate about intake. We have, we have our 12-person team. I'm currently trying to basically like, have a shadow team that I am working with, or mirroring what Allison talked about earlier, that you can't just like plug and play and just see like almost as an experiment. Can I get people, not just for tasks, that's easy. But can I get people trained over time so they can answer the Jerry Wayne question of where is the office and that they can become part of the culture, learn the vernacular, and sort of take a three to six month period to let them just, without worrying about ROI, just allowing some very, you know, highly screened people train and continue to immerse themselves to the point where they could actually be part of that, you know, A plus team. Yeah. So Jay, you mentioned the idea of, of having, you know, that, that right empathy for a person. And empathy, of course, is one of the major touch points of, of you know, of dialed in communication regardless. But, you know, it's, it's, your, your story is funny. I, I tell the same story. It's not the exact same story, but a very similar story when I talk about intake and what happened in my office, which is I actually did have a training process. And I went through training my intake person 
And I got his conversion rate um, anywhere from, you know, it was averaging in the low 20s when he first started with us. And we got it over 45%. Now, granted, one of our practice areas is one that is indigency-based, so child abuse and neglect. So there is a statistical likelihood that a great portion of the people that would call our office are not going to be eligible to work with us just based on minimum economic compliance, right? So 45% is really an exceptional rate in our office historically. And I got him to that point, and at some point, he was really disappointed that he didn't get this one person booked, and we went through the process of going over his calls, and you know, I, I kind of coached him on what to do if that happened again. Well, Zuma had that same person that we had gone through a coaching session with uh, called the office like a month and a half later, and he remembered her voice. She had a very raspy, very distinctive voice. And she called and said, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I've, I've got to come in right away. And he said, well, you know, hi, I remember you, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm sorry that you're, you're needing to call us, what's going on? And she said, I came home and my husband was on my sister. I mean, she just literally blurted that out. And his answer was, all right, well, how about Monday at nine o'clock? <laughs> no, no reaction at all. It was just kind of like, all right, well, I guess we got the urgency now. Let's get her in there. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm glad she actually did book. And I'm glad she didn't oh. curse you out for that response. <laughs> Allison, it so reminds me of the chat world. We use a very inexpensive chat company. Um, and, you know, you could say, hey, I just lost my whole family in a car accident. It's like, that's terrible. It sounds like you have to speak to a lawyer immediately. It's like, there's no nuance. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, here's the thing. What's crazy about it is that a lot of that happens because people are so fixated on the script or the talking points. I think we all have had that experience where you call a bank and you get, you know, someone that clearly is not a U.S. citizen <laughs> who says to you, hi, how can I help you? And you say, I want the, the checking division because I've got a problem with my checking account. And they say, would you like the checking division or the savings division? And you're like, did you listen to me? You know, because yeah. they're clearly reading off the teleprompter. And that's what that feeling is for people that call our law offices when we have a person who is married to getting all the words right without understanding the general conception of there are processes, right? The first part is you want to get the basic information so that you can continue to communicate with that person if they don't schedule now. Then you want to get the story. And that story is not tell me what happened. That story is a guided process. You are the leader of that process and you're taking a person through connecting with you, identifying the nature of the problem, identifying why it matters to them, which is that urgency point, and then getting them sold on solving the problem, which is coming in to see the lawyer or the non-attorney who's gonna ultimately help them. Then you're going to close out that call with processing a payment, confirming details, giving them what they need to get in and giving them the sense of relief that their problem is about to be solved. If you don't approach it that way and just kind of get on the phone and have a chat with the person, sure, sometimes you book people, sometimes you don't, but you miss the opportunity to frame them to one, be, be inclined to buy when they come to your office. So you can increase your actual intake conversion rate, your, your consultation conversion rate when you have good intake, but you're also framing the relationship, right? If, if you have a client or a prospect who calls your office and just kind of runs roughshod over your intake person, what do you think they're going to do when they come into the office and meet with you and you're trying to set the frame for them? Or when they start working with your lawyers and the lawyer is trying to tell them legal advice, this is what you need to do. And the answer ultimately stops at that point. So, you know, you have, to, you have to think about intake as a critical part of the process early in the process. It does more than just get people scheduled. It gets you 
people more inclined to buy. It gets you better rate of payment when they come in. It gets you better attitude during the working relationship. It gets you more referrals in the future to people that are also comparable to them. All of that is what you are structuring when you create intake, which is part of the reason why I created this intake webinar that really derived from the conversation and the, the discussion we had at the Law Firm Growth Summit. So I know that Seth also spoke at the Law Firm Growth Summit. And you know, there we, we had an opportunity to kind of go one-to-one -one with people. And what I spoke about was intake. And I thought of it as just, I'm gonna help people deal with the objections to money being paid for lawyers at the, at the point of intake. But so many people had so many questions, we didn't get to the second side of it, which was <laughs> what leads the, to the objection in the first place, the structuring. So I said, all right, let me put together a webinar on that. We're actually hosting it next week. It's on, month, it's, me, it's on Wednesday, March 10th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And for anyone that's interested in it, uh, we will drop the, the link to register in the comments, but it's at a bit.ly, it's all caps LFM for law firm mentor dash intake. Very simple, LFM dash intake. You can register for the webinar. It's gonna be one hour. It is gonna come with a free guide on dealing with intake objections. So you'll be able to get that guide so that you have that handy to give to your teams when they are on the phones. And my goal is really to help people to start to reconceptualize the way that they look at intake. It is a sales process. You need to get people trained in sales in order to be effective at sales process. And when you do this, you can start to see dramatic shifts and how many people come in, how much they pay when they come, and how likely they are to, to refer other people in the process. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. And one of the things that, that pops to mind uh, for all the trial lawyers that are in the audience, when uh, you, can make some, you can make some correlations between intake and picking a jury, right? Because how often have you been picking a jury and you'll get established this bond with the with the veneer person. You know, you're you're asking the questions, they're answering, and then the other lawyer will stand up and ask them the exact same questions. They didn't bother to listen to those answers that were given, uh, and so it pl places you in a much better position because you were parrying back and forth and talking about, oh, I love that restaurant, or, or you know, I'm also a bulldog, you know, that type of thing, um, and and so. Those are the types of things that I think we need to really impress upon our, uh, our, our intake people to, to sort of talk to them about engaging people rather than mining data, uh, because that's really, I think, an important part of the whole process. Seth, you, are you ready for another question? Yeah, no, um, you know, look, I, I, I love it. And uh, the, the, the art of intake, it, it's so, it is so difficult to get right, I feel like Every time I think that I'm, I'm pushing off in the right direction, particularly at scale, it's one thing. Like I, it was for me, it was my baby. I, it was me and a cell phone, that phone that you know I passed off to somebody else, and then it became three, and then that that's how it, you know it, it, that our our process began. Um, one of my you know a life moments of one of our past guests, Gary Falcons, who's you know who's awesome on intake. He was like you know one of those people that always professed you've got to record this in the call, something we do on a weekly basis now. And I always, early on, I poo-pooed it. It was me doing it. I trusted the guy I had doing it. But what I found was with scale, it was pretty shocking what I heard once I listened to my own my own calls. And, uh, you know, there was, you know, again, a woman who did a Jay Ruling type situation where somebody had an awful situation. They're going, uh-huh, uh-huh. So listening to it from the firm sides, walking around the office as if you were just doing a lap, 
sounded great. And then you heard this and we had to fire somebody. So I feel that like it is, it is a combination of, you know, putting your team in place, training them, but it's not, it is a continual process, not a set it and forget it by any means. Yeah, it sounds to me like it's just something that you have to be paying attention to. And, and so many, so many lawyers, I think, you know, especially entrepreneurial lawyers, we are, um, we are drawn to, I wouldn't call it the shiny things, but we're constantly in growth mode. So we're ready to tackle the next problem, maybe even before we've solved the problem we're dealing with now. We get to like 50% of a resolution. And we're like, okay, that's good. Let me go to the next thing. Uh, you know, maybe there's some ADD in all of us. Uh, or just, you know, a desire to keep moving forward. Uh, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with, uh, with a, a colleague of ours, and uh, the conversation basically led to so many lawyers um, don't focus on their business because since they've never focused on their business, cases come to them sort of magically. They don't really have a marketing plan. And so they show up at the office, have no idea if the phone is going to ring that day. And when it does, it's magic. And let's let's jump on this magical opportunity. And so at five o'clock, they turn off their mind. They say, okay, now I'm going to go binge Netflix or go play golf or tennis or do some cooking because they're not constantly thinking about their business because they, they have no business thoughts. But for us, who are such entrepreneurial minded, we know the more work we put in, the better results we're going to get. But I think one of the hardest things to learn, Allison, and I'd love your input on this, is making sure you actually finish a project before you get to the next one. <laughs> well, I mean, so there's, there's a lot to be said there. And you're right. I think lawyers do have and it's not just entrepreneurial lawyers, by the way. I see this tendency in uh, what I would refer to as high D people, right? So if you're familiar with the disc, people that have a dominant personality, it's kind of like, yep, 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 go, next, 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 next. And they're moving on before they complete the project. And so part of, the, part of knowing yourself and the beauty of building a business is when you add other people, you can add people who have strengths in the areas where you don't. So if you're not a systems person, you don't get to eliminate that from your role as the CEO and owner of a business, but you, cer you certainly can outsource parts of it, right? So someone has to be invested in getting to the right solution, whether it's you or someone else. And while you are working on yourself to improve in that area, your business can still grow. So all of those lawyers out there that are like, oh, I just sit back and the phone rings and, and whatever, I don't really believe that. What I believe is happening is that they're just unconscious, right? They're, they're an unconscious competent. They don't recognize what they're doing. They are doing something to have that happen. They just don't realize what it is. So it could be that they are very personable and outgoing and connecting with people and naturally networking when they're at the courthouse. Or it could be that they are instinctually um, speaking in different locations. People will ask them to teach a CLE. They say, great, I'm serving the bar. And what they're really doing is marketing themselves in the process. And they don't know it, right? So what ends up happening is, yeah, that's fine when it's a team of one, it's you and maybe a, a VA or even a full-time secretary. But when you want to get to a place where you don't have the stress of will the phone ring and you want to have the consistency that comes through working with someone like Jay's company to generate leads or even Yousef, you know, to get, you know, to get your SEO coming so that you're, you're constantly filling the funnel and you have your choice of who you want to work with and you can charge them what you want to charge them when you know that there's a consistency and a reliability to what's coming in because you have it systematized, then you don't have that stress of, oh my God, something has happened and I don't know what to do. And I hearken back to last year, 
uh, a lot because last year was kind of the, 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 the I'm, I'm trying to use my, my words judiciously. I have kind of a potty mouth. I grew up in the South uh, in a Navy town. So it's the stuff factor, okay? You know what stuff is really supposed to be here, right? When, when stuff happens, we think, okay, I don't have any choice but to react to the circumstance. So a lot of people were, you know, uh, you know, up Stuff's Creek <laughs> during during coronavirus, and not because the there was an economic calamity. There were some places where the economics of their of their economy really were not anywhere near as bad as in other places where there were hotspots, right? But that lawyer was feeling a sense of retraction because he or she had not systematized where are my leads coming from, how am I getting people booked. How do I pivot what I'm saying in order to respond to the people that are coming in? And a lot of those little strategies can be employed to make a big difference. And that's part of the reason why, frankly, my law firm grew during the, during the pandemic. It wasn't because a whole bunch more people got divorced. We actually didn't serve more people. But we grew because we were able to get more people through the door with a mindset and a psychology that worked for where they were based on the fact that we were responding to small things rather than it's, it's kind of a, a, a question mark. Where's the next call coming from? Whether they're going to book or not. It's their choice whether to book. If we look at it as we are ultimately at cause, we can influence the way that people choose to interact with us, then we can always control ourselves, right? You can't control other people, but you can always control yourself and what you're saying. And that then gets people in the door and gets them there faster at a higher price point. So Yes, there was an economic consequence. We all had to deal with what actually happened. And, and to some degree, we're still dealing with it. I think um, I watched a, a Amex webinar or an Inc. 5000 webinar, I can't remember which, where they were projecting that the recovery from coronavirus is for the US gonna be somewhere in the middle of 2022. So, you know, we're gonna be in this state for a moment now. And those of us that dialed in our systems, especially our system of intake, and really looked at how we can start to respond and react differently to people and knowing our numbers that comes from having a really well-defined intake process, we are better able to shift and pivot so that we can deal with the economics before they actually land on us rather than having to be in crisis mode and being in constant stress as a result of that. Yeah, who so needs more crisis question. mode? <laughs> I got a final question for you. I have these two, two people who love systems. And while I love to have systems, I do not keep that on building it. That's just not me. I love, I'll build, I'll build things and I'll, and I'll take it with the marketing and I'll, I love, but like, I want, I know I need them and they're essential, but it's not my jam. I have put teams in place. We start to find people, you know, from the strong, I've found people around me to do these things to build out our training for intake. What is your advice for people where they know they need the systems? It's not their thing like i don't get jay gets pleasure he'd, he'd rather build a system than watch netflix um you know and, and and i have a few you know i have a number of shows to go back to to rewatch. um you know what, what's the recommendation for people who know that they need stuff but you know because i always say if you, you do what you like to do if you don't like to write you're not going to block you, you hate being on video you're not going to make video so like how what 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 tools tricks techniques have you found for people who are not systems creators to get systems and put them in place that the firm does run on systems. Yeah, so that, I mean, we kind of touched upon it in a couple of different areas, Seth. It really is about getting yourself to the top of the heap as fast as you can, which means if you are a solopreneur from the very first moment that you are in business, you have to get enough revenue in your business and you have to hire exceptional at the start. And that hiring exceptional means 
hiring people that have the skills for necessary activity that you don't have. So if you know, I'm not that, I'm not the system sneaker. I'm not the person who's going to geek out on this stuff. I know I need it. I know what needs to be built. It's not going to be me. Then hire somebody who's going to do that, right? Hire somebody who's going to do that. And what you're always looking for is you're always looking to expand value so you can expand revenue. That does not mean charging the most in the market. That does not mean being able to like constantly sell people. It means being able to expand so that the person with the most qualifications and the least cost to the business is doing the work. And that principle applies whether you are looking to optimize a system, whether you're looking to add better people to your business, whether you're looking to sell more, you are always looking to have the most done by the least activity, the most value by the least cost. And that is how you expand profit. And the more profit you have, the more you can put into adding more people who can build more systems, who can do more work that you don't want to do. Well, Allison, this has been awesome. Uh, tremendous value. Can't wait to uh, to hear your webinar. Uh, Allison Williams, the law firm mentor, uh, friend, uh, and just an inspiration. You've done a great job building your firm and now uh, a coaching program. And thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, Allison, why don't you, before you go, give a, give everybody just a brief overview of what you've got coming up with your, with your masterclass and everything, just so that they can have that information at the end of the show if they need to come back to it. Yeah, so thank you for asking about that. So the masterclass I created is completely free and the whole idea of it is for people to learn systems thinking. So we're actually gonna take you through a step-by-step -step process on how to build a system in a law firm, how to do it fast and easy and how to do it in a way that creates more money and time contemporaneously. So that's the real key. Like a lot of people think, okay, I'm either putting in my money so I can buy back my time or I'm putting in my time so I can generate more money. And there's always an element of that in business to a certain degree. But as a, as a sole owner of a business and even small law firms, where you really should be focusing is how do I get the most time and money at the same time out of what I'm doing? And the way to do that is to build out systems in a way that you are able to expand the pie without adding more time. You're able to take things off of your plate without having them be either neglectful, in which case you're gonna put risk in your business, or they're going to land on somebody who's not qualified, in which case you're, in, you're going to end up taking it back in frustration. So this is the goal, is to really create a systems culture in your business. It's a step-by-step, day-by-day process. We're going to be live for a period of nine days. Nine days, 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time every day, and we will be having replays at 6 p.m. And it's going to come with a nifty little workbook that walks you through the process. You're going to get something in writing that you can take back and start using in your law firm right away. If you want to sign up for the for the masterclass, it, again, it's completely free. Masterclass is at lawfirmmentor.net forward slash masterclass. Awesome. Allison, thank you so much for being with us. I know what I'm going to be doing in the next couple of days. I'm signing up for that masterclass so I can geek out over systems with you. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. But I want to thank you so much for being, us, uh, being here with us on Maximum Growth Live. It's always great to have you with us. If you want to find out more about Allison and her programs, we're going to have links down below uh, in our comments section. And with that, we're going to uh, take a quick break. You'll hear from our sponsors and we'll be back more with some more Maximum Growth Live. Hey, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Guild members get so many benefits, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. 
Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the guild to check out all the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hey, Seth, uh, another great interview. I got to tell you, you know, having Allison on as our, as our first time we're having, a, uh, having somebody back, she, she doesn't fail to deliver, man. She gives you great stuff. Uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to some of the stuff that she's got going on over the next couple of weeks. What are your thoughts? No, no, look, intake is everything. There are so few people that do it well or at least at scale and that can actually deliver on it. Uh, so th- this is something that it's so sorely needed. And I got to tell you, even for myself, it's whack-a-mole. And, you know, there are moments where I know that I have issues with intake and I'm fixing it. And then, one, and then once it's there, you're like, okay, well, I can leave that alone and I can go on to everything else. And the truth is, it is a constant work in progress. I don't know anybody. You go to the largest firm, you go to the guys with 100-person intake centers. They're kidding themselves if it's set it and forget it. It's a constant evolution of tweaking and pushing and turning. And so, again, for those of people with, with much smaller uh, operations, it, it's no different. If you set it and forget it, you will you will be disappointed in the end. Present company included. And, you know, if I so, it, what a what a great opportunity to sort of sit, think, and get some systems and best practices to put in place. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, folks, that's going to do it for us this week on Maximum Growth Live. Of course, you can always catch this show live here on our Facebook page every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. But you can catch all of our back shows uh, here on our page. We are also syndicated uh, through Maximum Lawyer and the Maximum Lawyer podcast, as well as our own standalone podcast where you ever, wherever you get your podcast, be it Google, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast, you will find us there. Uh, but for that, folks, we're going to sign off now. Thank you so much for being with us. He is Seth Price. I'm not sure where you're going to be on the recording, Seth. So I'm going every single, I look like a person who's doing you know, the flossy or some, one of those kid dances. But for now, uh, we're going to sign off. He is Seth Price, CEO of Blue Shark Digital, your SEO for law firms, as well as Price Benowitz, your DC, Maryland, Virginia, and South Carolina law firms. And I am Jay Ruane, CEO of FirmFlex, your social media marketing agency for lawyers. We are combined to be Maximum Growth Live. Bye for now. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on another edition of Maximum Growth Live. Thank you for listening to Maximum Growth Live. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and tune in live on Facebook every Thursday for our live show. For more information, visit Maximum Growth Live on Facebook or MaximumLawyer.com and be sure to share us with your friends.